0: people right now this podcast that they're about to listen to there's a lot of medichlorians in this podcast the force will be strong with this podcast because teams and kid phoenix were tackling the star wars universe so
1: (laughs) about a a half the audience just left because you mentioned the
0: m word why <laughs> what is wrong no okay hold on wait 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 what is the problem with medichlorians we'll talk about that
1: along with a bunch of other thoughts impressions takes on the star wars saga in general and just as a disclaimer me Teebs myself I have, I do not have a lot of knowledge regarding Clone Wars, Rebels, and things like that. So,
0: the only television show from the Star Wars universe we have extensive knowledge with is The Mandalorian. We apologize for that. We we We,
1: apologize for that, but listen, don't any Clone Wars stands,
0: any Rebel stands, that's fine. We don't need everybody all up in our kitchens that we don't watch that. We're sorry. (laughs)
1: If you see me on the street and you get all up in my face about how come you didn't talk about Ahsoka Tano on the podcast, I'm going to say, shut up, <laughs> go back in your nerd hole.
0: This podcast is going to span a long time ago and we're talking about galaxies far, far and away. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I will be here
1: all week, folks. There it is. That's what there I was trying is. to do. That's what I was trying. That's what I was going for. Thank good. you for picking up the ball.
0: Good, good work by me. Listen, you fumble the ball. I'm just there to pick it up and take it into the end zone. That's how this works.
1: So, just to but just to sum up, we're going to be largely talk be talking about the movies for the most part. For the most we'll part, bring, we'll bring in the supplemental materials when we feel like it's necessary to talk about them. But we're just going to be talking about the movies for now. And so, my esteemed colleague, yes. Kid Phoenix, yes. Let's start off with the original, original flavor.
0: So we're going in chronological order, not numerical.
1: Right, right. We're going in release order, not numerical
0: order. Okay, all right. Yes. So starting in 1977 with the original Star Wars film.
1: I can understand that if you saw this movie in 1977... Not only were the socks knocked off of your feet, possibly <laughs> every sock in your sock drawer was just knocked off.
2: <laughs>
0: now, we've talked about certain movies that our father took us to see when they first came out when we were little. Uh, T was born in 1975, so I'm not sure if our father would have taken him to see the original Star Wars movie, maybe Empire.
1: I don't remember Empire. I do remember being in there for Return of the Jedi, seeing that in the theater, but I don't I don't recall seeing the other two. I maybe, maybe Empire, maybe
0: I was born in 1980 and I have no recollection of seeing Empire or Return of the Jedi with our father, which I mean I'm I'm starting to feel some kind of way about that now.
1: You were too little, it's fine. I, so Star Wars, do we have any thoughts about the original 1977 Star Wars?
0: I will say this about the original Star Wars. I didn't, see it. It. I didn't see it for the first time until I was at least seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, it was all these like cool aliens and these all kinds of galaxies that had been dreamed up out of the mind of George Lucas and the lightsaber battles were at the time they were cool. Looking back, they were sort of under, they were very underwhelming, but the, the space battle at the end kind of brought it all around for me. And looking back, I enjoyed Han Solo very much. I thought Han Solo was cool. He was just that, he was just that scoundrel that dude that you just wanted to ride with like all the time. Luke was a little bit of a whiner, but I kind of I kind of associated with that because I was a bit of a whiner when I was also a kid. So that checked out a bit, a bit. All right. Shut up. Okay, it's okay. It is possibly true that when I was a kid, I screamed and yelled when anyone else other than our mother would hold me. That is it's possible that that happened. I will not confirm nor deny that. Anyway. This
1: really is a family therapy session. <laughs>
0: what is happening? <laughs> I went from that to the later Star Wars movies that we'll get into in this podcast. But when it comes to the original Star Wars movie, my my socks were blown a little bit. There There may have been some spontaneous combustion as I was sitting on the couch drinking a drinking a Kool-Aid box and yet it still hits kind of the same as I'm 40 years old now and we we have a nephew that I would love to you know have him watch Star Wars and explain everything that's going on and just watch his eyes and ears light up and it's just going to be amazing when that happens.
1: The first time he watches Star Wars whenever he gets old enough we're renting a theater to make it happen. Yeah, we're renting a movie theater thousand F percent tell TV nonsense, but I will just say this about the original Star Wars probably the biggest show of guts, yes, and and just fearlessness, yes, by a filmmaker in cinema history. Maybe,
2: right? Because... I can't
1: think of anything. I can't think of anybody that was more audacious, except for maybe Orson Welles, but like.
0: Uh, Orson Welles. Yes. I mean, with
1: Citizen Kane, but you don't know. I mean, listen, you're not a film story. And you I've seen about. Citizen
0: Kane. I before. know you've seen
1: Citizen Kane, but you didn't have to write freaking essays about it like That's I did. That's true. So I did
0: not have to do that.
1: He said, look, I'm going to make the movie that I want to make. Somebody's going to give me money to do it. And I don't even know if I can do half this stuff. <laughs> I'm going to try. I have no idea if it's even possible. We can't... We don't have a camera that... Do- well, just invent it. And that's what they did. Pretty much all the stuff in Star Wars and that they didn't know how to do and all the prequel movies, they had to invent new shit.
0: Right. <laughs> Nobody was doing that. Um. Now, how did this play out? I think it was like Lucas wanted to do Raiders, but he didn't have the cachet. So he did star Wars first or do I have that backwards?
1: No, he'd already done American graffiti. He had the script. He took it around. Um, Nobody wanted to do it because science fiction wasn't making no money. Right. Um, Finally, Alan Ladd Jr. at 20th Century Fox was like, eh, you've got Moxie, kid. And like, (laughs) I like
0: the cut of your jib, George Lucas. But that's
1: what I'm talking... But in previous podcasts, I talked about how so many movie executives are so risk-averse. Alan Ladd Jr. was like, look, I believe in this guy, and he's going to make a dope movie, and he did. So that's not... I mean, I don't know if this movie gets made in 2021.
0: Probably not. I, I wouldn't think uh an original story but additionally this yeah additionally
1: if this movie doesn't get made 2020s 2021s movie landscape is entirely different so i don't know
0: i think that is i think you're definitely on to something with that especially given what we've talked about before whereas back in the day producers would just take a shot on a director or a writer and say okay I like where he's going with this. Here's some money. If it doesn't work out, whatever, it's fine. As opposed to now where it's like, it's all hedge fund guys. And they're just like, oh, we're just out here to make money. Keep churning out stuff that will make us money. And that's, that, right. could be, that could be Marvel. That could be right. DC. That could be now Star Wars. I mean, if you were making this film in 2021, I can't think of one studio that would be like, okay, yeah, let's take a shot with this.
1: Not that I'm down on hedge fund, guys, but like... I mean, I'm not either. I'm just saying, you know. Like, if I want something, like, if, if you're running, if you have my money, yeah, don't take any risks at all. But, like, <laughs> if you're making movies, you got to take some risks. Um, so let's move on to The Empire Strikes Back. Let's. Largely con- Largely considered to be the best Star Wars movie, and... Um,
0: uh, largely considered? I would say universally considered, my guy.
1: Um, I don't know, people have takes. People yeah. have strong yeah. rever- people yeah. have strong attack of the clones takes.
0: Yeah, you come up to me <laughs> on the street and you try to tell me that attack of the clones is better than Empire Strikes Back. You try to do that. Yeah, you're just not gonna like the verbal thrashing you're gonna get. So just just go ahead and try. Attempt it. Go ahead. Get is, in my men sheets.
1: Is Empire Strikes Back the greatest sequel of all time? No.
0: What is what? Aliens. I don't know. I Listen, Empire is great. Empire did some things that I'm pretty sure that Empire Strikes Back probably had the best twist in cinema history. Nobody was expecting that at the end. And if you tell me that you were expecting it back in 1983, you are a goddamn lie.
1: So, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about Empire Strikes Back. It's pretty great. Um, the one thing that I will say is, and you were asking me about this before we got on the podcast, but why uh, George Lucas did not direct the other two original trilogy movies.
0: I always found that I always find that interesting because I know what you've said before about different directors having different visions for an already successful franchise. Is that something that you like generally in your in your nerdy pop culture universes? Or do you like the uniformity of, for example, Lucas? Because we'll get into all the right. prequels in a second and then we can kind of compare and contrast here.
1: All right, we can talk. All right, I think we need to talk about Lucas's strengths and weaknesses before we get into um why he directed and things like that so the main thing is lucas's strength is vision having a clear idea of what he wants having imagination Uh and and just having big ideas and the guts and the stick-to-itiveness to see those visions through to the end Uh uncompromisingly bold vision right he is not great at is getting performance out of actors Really? Generally, he re- regards actors as, you know, additional pieces of like special effects or something like that. Like, he regards them as things. And ultimately, I think he, and this has been said by a lot of actors, especially that have worked on the prequels, um, he's not the best as far as getting a performance out of an actor. That's not really, there's just some directors that aren't that great at getting a performance.
0: There are some uh, directors. There are some directors that are just, you know, and not to use a sports metaphor, a nerd podcast. But there, there are some directors that are just Phil Jackson. They, they just get the best out of their players. Like that's it. That's just all it is.
1: But to take the metaphor further, there are some players that respond well to that kind of hands-off coaching approach. There are some players that really want to be coached and really want to be told what to do and where to go and how, to, and, and things like that.
0: And there's a give and take between, you know, what the actor wants to do as far as like what he sees in the character, maybe advancing his career, this, that, and the other, as well as the director kind of bringing the best out of them so that everybody's happy.
1: But ultimately it's, it's the director's job to get the performance that he needs in order to make the movie work. And on Empire Strikes Back, um Lucas was just too involved in cre- pretty much starting Industrial Light and Magic yeah. and making everything else happen that he when it came time, he just did he just knew he was not going to be able to be on the set enough to get everything that he needed to get from the actors. Mm-hmm. So that's why he went to Irvin Kershner and Kershner did, I think was able to get very nuanced performances out of everyone. I think that's why Empire is usually regarded as the best because you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting good actors who are giving you good performances because of the work of Irvin Kershner. Plus you've got George Lucas doing what George Lucas is good at, giving you that big, bold vision, uncompromising Everything. That he brings to the table, you kind of get the best of both. Now, going on down the line, we'll have, you know, varying success on each one of these main components. Uh-huh. But uh, I think Empire Strikes Back is the movie where everything happens the best. Because you've got the characters, you've got the actors who are now comfortable with the characters, they understand what's going on, they're able to just inhabit those characters and just give better nuanced performance and, um, and yeah, it's just.
0: I I will say this about Empire. I feel like Harrison Ford plays Han Solo. I definitely feel like his character was brought out a lot more in Empire as opposed to the, uh, a new hope. I, I feel like I always felt like Empire was kind of a Han Solo movie, to be perfectly honest. Because all of the best parts of Empire definitely have Solo in them. Star
1: Wars would struggle trying to find that type of character for, uh, you know, every movie and every subsequent trilogy. Struggles because they don't have that particular voice, that particular guy. So, um, and you're right. This is probably the best showcase of his talents. This is like the flu game for (laughs) Harrison
0: Ford. (laughs) Again, Now. Again, not to bring sports metaphors into a nerd podcast. Then we come to Return of the Jedi. And did that feel a little, I don't want to say underwhelming, but clearly it wasn't as good as the other two. It's
1: not great. Um, I have. I actually have two other movies ahead of it. Listen. In my I, all-time ranking.
0: I have... My ranking of Jedi is so low because friggin' Ewoks, okay. I understand there has to be like merchandising and stuff like that, but could have done could have done without the alien teddy bears, okay? That's just it's just my feeling.
1: I mean, yes, at some point between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, um Star Wars became a business and it started getting driven by more more stuff to help the business rather than strictly stuff that's going to make good movies right so as as i might as i've said on previous podcasts like there's sometimes you feel like you're watching a spreadsheet of a movie yeah the first two movies the spreadsheet was all creative stuff it was like can i do this trench run? can i make this sock puppet that
0: somebody's wearing look like a giant worm coming out of an asteroid. Like, can I can I have this huge freaking production on an ice planet? Can I have this huge battle? And the answer to all those questions was yes back yeah. then.
1: But I feel like by the time we're coming to Return of the Jedi, it's like, well, we're gonna need to be able to sell lunch boxes and this yeah. and that, and we're gonna need something else. So yes, but I will say return of the jedi did push the envelope as far as what was possible special effects wise it's not like they were it's not like again gutsy lucas it's not like he said all right we're going to rest on our laurels here we're just going to tell my story no like um they pushed the effects as far as they could in for 1983 in return of the jedi i just think the storytelling um the storytelling is a little bit looser han solo han solo is not uh, as han solo-y in this yeah he feels um, like if it, you're going to if you say that empire is a han solo movie this is a luke movie and i just think luke is fundamentally a weaker character but
0: yeah i i would agree with that like there's there's the his Individual journey between episodes four, five, and six. Like I find that like interesting, just to see how he grows. But even in Jedi, he didn't seem like to put it in, for lack of a better term, he just didn't seem like a fully formed adult.
1: Who Luke Skywalker?
0: Yeah, and it just seemed like he was still trying to figure shit out, even after however many years of training under Obi Wan and Yoda. Like he just still seemed very confused and very not sure of himself
1: well that's part of his thing but that that lack of sort of well him starting without a whole bunch of faith in himself and eventually you know becoming that's part of his thing, but and Han Solo's already there, like he's already okay. going through all that. And by the time we meet him, like he knows who he is, he knows what he's about, he knows who he has to shoot in cantinas and who he doesn't. <laughs> like, he knows all these things, I think. But yes, I think Return of the Jedi just number one, it suffers from having to be the last part of the trilogy, so it's always going to be. Last parts of trilogies always have this weight to kind of finish everything in a satisfying way. Right. Whereas second parts of trilogies can just be open-ended. And um, so, yeah, I don't have much more to say about Return of the Jedi. Besides, even as an (laughs) 11-year-old, it was difficult to buy... The Ewoks defeating the Stormtroopers.
0: Yes, it, it is the rocks biggest, and sticks, and yeah, no, <laughs> it is the
1: biggest upset in the history of fictional armed combat.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, not a whole lot's gonna, not a whole lot's gonna top that. Like that's, no. like the Ewoks were definitely like five hundred to one, maybe but, even bigger. Uh, there's a, five thousand to one. Five thousand to one. Uh, the odds were
1: off the board. <laughs>
0: uh, so we didn't discuss a one. Carrie Fisher, rest in peace. How important was she in kind of like the sci-fi lexicon, as far as like. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, Carrie Fisher was kind of a badass in A New Hope. Uh, she was she, okay. She, she was in she, she was definitely played
1: against the nor she definitely played against the uh damsel in distress trope that that you would have that you would have expected to see in 1977. And for that, you have to you have to commend Lucas for making her that kind of character and Carrie Fisher for pushing the character in that direction. But again, the problem is she becomes this. She starts out as a super independent woman. But then by Return of the Jedi, she's like, oh, sorry. Got to put this rebellion on hold. I got to go save my man. Yeah. Like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) That (laughs) that kind of. That seemed seemed like a bit of a weird 180 switch. Yeah.
1: Um, She has great chemistry with Harrison Ford in Empire. You know, yeah. And somewhere in the, like, I think in the middle of Empire, she goes from being kind of a strong and self-assured leader to just kind of being a love interest. And it's not... And so that by the time Return of the Jedi comes along, she's really, like, really steered far from the New Hope character.
0: Now, I don't mean to, you know, appropriate, like, how uh, women might feel when I ask this question, but was that possibly a little too off-putting? Like that, such a drastic switch from one style of personality to the typical, oh, I'm a love interest and this is me for better, for worse from now on.
1: Well, again, I may have overstated it some, but she still does have elements of being this kind of more hard-nosed character. Right. But I think in order for her to become a love interest for Han Solo, there had to be So I think traditionally the problem is whenever you see a relationship like this, a dynamic like this, where you have two strong characters that eventually fall in love with, this, with each other. Traditionally, it's usually the woman who's expected to drop Everything. whatever she's doing she's doing, and become so... like. Like, there's no, like, Han Solo is not going to quit smuggling and no, (laughs) just become a dutiful, like, husband or whatever. Like, that expectation is not there. So, I just, it might have been her succumbing, or that character succumbing to gender norms of the 70s and 80s. That's fair. uh, That's fair. If we, if talking about it in 2021, it does seem a little weird. And I don't know that the character would develop along those same lines if we were making that trilogy today.
0: You kind of saw that in the sequels, which we'll get into later on, where they kind of went back to Leia being this this badass in general. That's just like she knows her stuff and she knows what she's doing and can't nobody tell her nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So real quick, just to wrap up the regs here. Are we just in agreement that Empire is the best of these three? Yeah. All right. No, nothing else to discuss there. So let's just, no. so let's just keep going. Let's just move on. Now we get to the prequels. And uh, all three written and directed by George Lucas, the man. Great things about the prequels. When they came out, I was extremely excited when an episode one came out. And they said that the story was going to be about... Anakin Skywalker, and the conclusion would be him becoming Darth Vader. Spoiler alert. I think the prequels are written very well. I think that the special effects going from the mid 80s to the late 90s, that's just what happens with technology. Uh, Effects just look better. I think that immensely helped what Lucas was trying to accomplish with this prequel trilogy. A lot of the battles, specifically the lightsaber battles, were really epic. And I feel like people wanted more of that after the original trilogy. I felt like that was something that people really wanted to see. And I feel like with modern special effects, modern combat training and choreography, if you will, I feel like the prequels were probably really... I think the prequels are underrated just because of the simple fact that the lightsaber battles made them special. And I know that's a really specific thing. And I know people are going to get on their horse about, you know, oh, well, Jar Jar this and just, okay, settle down with Jar Jar. I didn't like Jar Jar, but he didn't like ruin the whole goddamn franchise. Like you people need to settle down.
1: Okay. So here's my
0: take. All right. Oh, and pod racing. Pod racing.
1: So the prequels in their scope and what Lucas is trying to do, I think are probably the most ambitious science fiction stories that have ever been attempted on screen. So the original trilogy is a simple story about a guy that learns that he has these abilities and his friends and they're trying to figure out what to do and then like it's it's a very simple hero's tale like there's a guy he realizes something he becomes a hero he fights a a, a a bad guy the end right and he has friends and things
0: happen a to b to c
1: the prequels are trying to tell this dense story about how a republic becomes an empire and and like political machinations and you've got this love story and you got this guy who's like in the middle of it all and like like absorbing it all and kind of like you know being transformed by it. it's super duper ambitious i don't think there's anything like the only thing that's like it in scope and size and scale is dune and they've not been able to make dune properly yet it is august 5th of 2021 the denny villeneuve dune movie has yet to come out maybe they get that maybe they get it right this time i don't know but the thing is there is just this is just so dense and there's just so much that's trying to get packed in here that yeah a lot of like stuff gets missed a lot of stuff doesn't happen properly like there's just not time for stuff but i respect the hell out of everything that happens in the prequel movies i res- i respect the effort now i mean i think ask- there's a lot of successes in the pre- prequel trilogy i think there's a lot of successes that people just want to be mad about Jar Jar and mad about oh digital backgrounds and stuff like that. But I think so much gets we... tossed to the wayside because they focus on the negative. Right. I think when we get to the sequel trilogy and we are missing some of Lucas's vision and Lucas's ideas of what this world is supposed to look like, I think there's a lot missing. And I f- it feels like like empty and kind of lifeless. Whereas the one thing the, the the prequel trilogy is bursting at the seams with life. There's shit happening on every everywhere. Program. Just what it, like. Even like two people are talking, and it's like weird droids flying around. Like it's alive in a way that the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy just aren't. And like either that works for you or it doesn't. But I like it because it makes the universe and the world of the prequels feel even more real alive
0: the, op- the opera scene from revenge of the sith it's just palpatine and and anakin talking and there's this giant opera going on in front of them and yeah they're talking but in the back of your head you're like i want to know what's going on with this opera that they're looking at what is going on here like any coruscant scene like just look at the- oh yeah the-, the
1: scenes in the jedi council like there's cars constantly flying behind the the, in the windows, like there's no need for that, but that's just part of what Lucas understands about his universe. That he's going to look at that, and he's going to be like, "This is dead," because th- this is in the. There would be stuff back there. We need stuff. We, we need stuff. We need we, some there things. There needs to be stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I wholeheartedly agree on that, and I think that's what people forget. When you talk about Lucas, again, say what you want about Lucas. And it has been many things have been said, but the prequels are probably some of his best work simply because all three of his movies, they are so full of life. They are dense with a bunch of different stories, a bunch of different things happening all at once. But at the same time, There's not a moment you feel lost with all the shit being thrown at you.
1: And I think that fundamentally is one of the problems with the prequels is that he's trying to sell, he's trying to tell such a large, big, convoluted, not necessarily convoluted, but it's a complex set of circumstances, but he's trying to tell it in a very simplistic way He's trying to tell a complex story in a very simplistic way. and i don't I don't think that works. That's the only I mean, I think that's that's the main thing. because if you're telling a simple story in a simple way, like the original trilogy, fine. But trying to tell a complex story in a simple way, it's it's very, it's very tough. And what I know about how the prequels were written and George Lucas's writing process, I mean, you know, it, it may have benefited from a couple more passes and a couple more people looking at stuff. But ultimately, the thing that takes me out about the prequels is everything is in there. It might not be arranged in the best way, but everything you need is in there. Right. To, get, for, to put all the dots together. Um, it's just things are rushed. In some places, things are stretched out. In other places, and like, I don't know. That's that's what I would say is frustrating. But the other, but the people who are mad at George Lucas, I would say this. Listen, and sorry, I got to bring sports metaphors into a pot into a uh, Star Wars podcast again. But
0: it's it's been done. We just got to keep doing it now. Do you
1: want to root for a baseball player that gets up to the plate and like? tries to go for bunts or just tries to get on base or do you want to root for a baseball player that's going to get up to the plate and every pitch he's going to try to knock it into the parking lot (laughs) i think the other guy the parking lot guy is the guy that i want to be rooting for yeah the base hit guy he's not going to have as many embarrassing strikeouts but you're just not going to be thrilled by that guy exactly that's the word that's the word hits it into the parking lot
0: the parking lot guy is way more exciting to watch than the singles doubles guy and that's no disrespect to guys like Ichiro or Tony Gwynn or anything like that But listen I want to see Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa Smack some dingers, okay. I want to see them socking dingers. Nobody goes to the ballpark
1: saying, Whoa, I really hope I see a lot of bunts today. <laughs> a lot of bunt singles down the I, line. <laughs> I really hope I just see a lot of guys just manufacturing runs. That's all <laughs> I want. <laughs> all that um, said about this. And see- this is this is what I'm saying in the prequel trilogy: the pod race home run. Lightsaber fights, Duel of the Fates, home, run. home Runs, the Coruscant chase, Home Run, there are Home Runs, there are strikeouts, but there are big swings this whole trilogy
0: and you gotta respect it. Phantom Menace, thoughts? Uh Phantom Menace, my immediate thought at the time that I saw it was, holy shit, my socks have been blown off again. Mm-hmm. There was pod racing, there was There was this lightsaber battle. A dude had a double-edged lightsaber. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is that, George Lucas? Um, It had everything that I wanted in a Star Wars movie, but like on steroids. The lightsaber battles were on steroids. The space battles were on steroids. Like the whole thing. It was the steroid era of Star Wars, and I loved every second of it.
1: Yes. Now, you could say Jar Jar is annoying and Jake Lloyd's performance is annoying. That's what everybody points to, but sure. they never point to the good. They never point to, you never point to ha- you. nobody discusses how great Liam Neeson is. Seriously. Nobody, dis- nobody discusses just how dope Qui-Gon Jinn is as a character. Nobody talks about just the dopeness of the design of Darth Maul.
0: Like, Nobody talks about how fucking cool the Jar Jar's homeworld was. That's a huge fucking swing. So
1: that's fine. If you want to, if you, I understand Jake Lloyd, you have been waiting I don't know how many years to see Anakin Skywalker and you see him and he's, he's this whiny little kid that talks about angels and whatever. I'm, okay, fine. I get it. If you choose to make your That's the Skywalker legacy. They're just whiners. About just all of them right. are whiners. That's the main thing that is the problem with all the star Wars movies that people cannot accept these movies on their own merits. They come with all this other stuff into the movie theater, which, you know, that's what happens with any franchise. I, I understand that, but I think I'm more open to just taking a movie. That's why I don't, that's why all that stuff in the Phantom Mess doesn't really bother me as much because I can see some of the same issues in the original trilogy also. Yeah. Um, Jake Lloyd's performance doesn't really bother me. Jar Jar doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Um, and because there's just so much going on, like okay, fine, I don't. Jake Lloyd sucks. Look at these dudes in the background. What
0: are they up to? Yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah, Jake Lloyd might not be great, but you know what? Uh, the the mechanic that um the junk dealer. Those interactions are fantastic. jake Jake lloyd by himself not great but jake lloyd interacting with other characters thousand percent i'm here for it and if you want to talk about
1: you know some of the racist overtones of the characters in the phantom menace i mean we could talk about it but that that was just going on in 1999 still it's not like they were outrageously over the top Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't
0: like "Song of the South" bad. Like everybody needs to settle down, Jesus.
1: Like I get it, I understand it's bad. Um, it's not the worst thing about the Phantom Men. Uh, Revenge of the uh, sorry, Attack of the Clones. Okay, this was the worst Star Wars movie for me for a while because it's all predicated on this thing that does not work. The love story just does not work in Episode Two, and that's what the whole movie's about so if that's what the movie's about and it doesn't work then your movie doesn't work i'm sorry
0: is that possibly like a chemistry issue between uh natalie no i think
1: i think it just goes back to lucas's kind of weakness in getting in drawing performance out of actors because i think another director could have gotten it out of him i've seen hayden christensen and stuff and he's been good we know natalie portman is good and stuff i just think Lucas was relying on the actors to do, to pull more of that performance out. And honestly, I know I said before that, honestly, I think Attack of the Clones could probably benefit from less writing around the love story rather than more. I think, because if you think about what happens in Empire Strikes Back, there's not a ton of back and forth between Han Solo and Princess Leia. Right, um, it'll, it, you know, most of it happens over a couple of scenes, and um, I think if there would have been more space for things to just happen in Attack of the Clones, I think it might have worked out better. But um, <coughs> uh, Attack of the Clones was, worst, was the worst movie until something came along to take its title, <laughs> Um, and Revenge of the Sith is fine, there's just way too much, there's just way too much in one movie. It's just too packed. But a lot of the stuff is good, but there's so much. I feel like that movie does not have time for anything.
0: Yeah, I, I do feel like the love story took way too much out of how good Attack of the Clones could have been. Like, for example, how long do we really need on the, in that scene where it's just him and Padme in the grass? Like, I felt like that went on too long. I feel like Stuff this movie is like
1: trying very hard to be a love story, but it's it's exactly the way a nerd would write a love story, because that's what it is. And it just doesn't feel naturalistic, and that, more than anything else, could have used somebody else taking a look at the
0: script. And Revenge of the Sith, uh, hands down, all right, all right, maybe not hands down, because Teeb stands for episode one pretty hard, but Revenge of, Revenge of the Sith is definitely my favorite of the prequels,
1: and there's just I, so much going on in Revenge of the Sith that everything feels like I'm in a rush to get through everything.
0: Yes, you're in a. Um, you feel like you're. You feel like you're in a rush to get to the.
1: Like I feel like Anakin turns Anakin, into Darth Vader in like. You feel like yeah.
0: Yeah, you feel, yeah. Like, you feel like you're in a rush so hard to get from Anakin to Darth Vader and there's just so much going on already and they just keep shoehorning in these ideas or these attitudes of, oh, here, here comes that heel turn. It's coming. Here we go. It's almost here. I feel like- oh, here's the heel turn. All right, here we go. And there's only like 45 minutes left in the film. What the fuck do we do now?
1: I feel like Anakin goes from um, okay, I think I'm in with you, Sidious, to I kill children now.
0: This is <laughs> what I do.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, he, that happens awfully fast.
0: That, the throttle was pushed on that way too fast. It's like they, like, like they you... are punching, they are punching that thing hard. Lucas has his foot on the gas and he's engaging the Nas system like don't we want to just dip our toe into
1: this evil <laughs> life
0: a little bit no we're jumping right We're into going right children. to killing children that's what we're that's doing that's the move jesus okay. all right so yeah from from that perspective i do see where sith may have gone wrong a little bit there was just such a rush to get to darth vader and is that because like so many people knew it was coming so they just had to do it they just had to go full throttle like that no
1: i feel like there's not there's not enough for attack of the clones but there's way too much for revenge of the sith so i think a lot of the revenge of the sith stuff needed to be spread out across all three movies to give you the room you need in revenge of the sith to make that heel turn more gradual to really see that descent but that's it it's got good stuff though it's got good swings it's got a great lightsaber battle it's uh um i don't know so much about the lizard chase i could maybe do without that but um <laughs> the and... lizard
0: chase yeah all right we're gonna take a little bit of a break real quick because Teves needs to get in his happy place because we are going from the mind and vision of lucas To the starting and not so much finishing of J.J. Abrams. But we'll be back in a second. All right, Tees, you you in your happy place? You ready to do this? Okay, I'm going to try. We got to do it, man. I'm sorry. I don't want to do it any more than you do. But we have to do it because there were three additional Star Wars movies after the prequels. Okay. We have to do it. All right. We're talking about the Star Wars universe. We have to talk about episodes 7, 8, and 9, a.k.a. the J.J. Abrams ilogy. And I say ilogy because, damn, parts of this thing were just ill and not in a good way. Not in the way that the cool kids said back in the 80s and 90s. God, where do we even start with this? Do we just... Do we just start with, like, once again, saying how, like, Abrams should just not be a thing? Should we just start that from here?
1: All right. So, listen. I have all the respect in the world for J.J. Abrams' chops just as a maker of films. Just as a guy who knows how to put a film together and make it happen. My problem is before, um, when I was talking about the guy who's going to get up there and, like, just go for singles and bunts and try to get on base. Yeah. That is J.J. Abram. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, and, bef- like, he – when you think about the other stuff that he does, he's taken some big swings but not with this trilogy. This is just the exemplar, just a, a, a fantastic example of spreadsheet filmmaking. Yes. Um, all except for one, and we're going to talk about that later. The Force Awakens is, The Force Awakens and for God's, okay, The Force Awakens is definitely Let's make the fans happy. And Rise of Skywalker is like, we don't even have a script. We're just <laughs> going to pack this with stuff that's going to make the fans happy.
0: Yeah, we're just going to go up and down that spreadsheet and we're checking everything off. Everything is getting checked off. Um,
1: Before we get too far into it, just let me say that Rise of Skywalker feels like somebody went into a Reddit thread. <laughs> looked up everything bad or everything that the nerds were saying was a problem and just put it in, in Rise of Skywalker like wow Jesus it's just, it's just not great but force awakens is something um it's something it's interesting it is a um, movie it sets up some things it just it's just so derivative Yes. of the original Star Wars from 1977. Like, almost beat for beat. And, which is probably what they wanted. So, you know, JJ is probably just doing what the bosses wanted. You can't fault him for that. But...
0: Is that what uh, they wanted just because of the space in time between the prequels that ended... And the sequels that came out, did they want to just hit the ground running with all the stuff that fans would be completely in the tank for? I
1: think what they needed to do and what they wanted to do and what the directive was, I'm pretty sure it was, to say, make sure that the fans understand that even though George Lucas is not involved, this is still Star Wars. It's still gonna feel like Star Wars. It's still gonna be star wars right and and make them feel like we got this, okay, we got the ball
0: um which make them did. feel make them feel like that their concerns are listened to and we're working as hard no, as we
1: no, can no 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 no, that was more of an episode nine thing, but in mm. episode seven, it was just like. Is Disney going to be able to do it? Or are they going to be able to make a Star Wars movie? Oh, okay. Making, just prove that you can do it and Force Awakens prove that they could do it for better or for worse. Not that I think it's a great movie. Um, not that I would go of all the movies that I go back and watch like Force Awakens is probably one of the ones that I watch the least. Um just because, I don't know, my problem with the whole sequel trilogy is they're just not great scenes. Like, you can pick out a bunch of great, like, sequences from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, but in the sequel trilogy, like, what do you got? You've got Uh, the Millennium Falcon Falcon. Chase. (sighs) Uh,
0: Uh. And see, exactly, right here, what we're talking about. The Star Wars trilogy, the Star Wars movies, for better or for worse, they were about scenes, moments that you can remember that last throughout your watching Star Wars. And the Millennium Falcon chase is probably the only thing I vividly remember about The Force Awakens and will go back on YouTube specifically to watch that scene.
1: Right. Um, maybe the lightsaber fight at the end? Maybe. Maybe. But, uh,
0: but even that's not great because um, it feels point for point like the end lightsaber battle in A New Hope, where one person clearly has a better idea what to do, and the other person just looks goofy. In Last Jedi, you have the throne room battle. The throne room battle, and... I am. I kind of like the casino chase a little bit. I know you have your problems wow. with space. You have your problems with space horses.
1: Uh, no,
0: that's the, the space
1: horses are in are in. Um, sky rise of Skywalker. There were
0: space horses. they were betting on space horses at that casino.
1: They weren't horses. They were like giant,
0: teeth like, rodent creatures. Thieves, I don't Thieves, know. Teeth. That was a racetrack. Those were horses. Okay. I mean, yeah, but they were not actually horses, though. So. Oh, they weren't designed to look like horses. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the, the other thing about and, the other, and
1: Rise Skywalker are actual horses.
0: The other thing I remember from uh, Episode Eight is the first space battle scene, where everybody comes in on the bombers. I do remember that. I remember liking that scene and thinking that was cool, and Carrie Fisher being thrown out the. Out, out the bridge window, and her just surviving by just her knowledge of the force, which is fantastic. Uh, The Luke stuff on the planet that he's at can't really remember much of it.
1: So, I mean, I was just talking about scenes, I guess. So, are there any scenes that I remember from Rise of Skywalker? Uh, I remember space burning man. Um space burning man. <laughs> I don't know. Palpatine's laboratory, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, I, It's just not great. All right. So Force Awakens. Um, I feel like we talked about enough. Last Jedi, do we need to get into this? Yes, we do. Yeah, we it's do. Probably the most controversial. We gotta do it. Um, all right, I'm gonna come out here. I, just love, come out, I love, I love, I love, I love the Last Jedi. Take from that what you will. I think it's great. Steve is going think... for
0: the parking lot with that one. Jesus!
1: Like I said, I respect guys that go for it, and Ryan Johnson went for it because the first movie, Force Awakens, is basically let's make a movie that's as much like a New Hope as we can. And then in the second movie, let's actually start to do something with these characters. Yes. And that's what happens in The Force in, in The Last Jedi. And uh, I, I remember that I was more excited at the end of Last Jedi for what was going to happen next than I was at the end of The Force Awakens. I was super duper the like, way, hype.
0: The way they set up The Last Jedi at the end Where it seemed like, okay, so we're gonna get a little Kylo versus Ray action in the next movie. That's gonna happen. It's gonna be Kylo on one side and Ray on the other. Let's duke it out. Let's get Bruce Buffer in here to do some announcing and let's just let's effing go. Like at the end of The Last Jedi,
1: whereas a lot. Of these characters didn't really have anything to do in the beginning at the and at the end of the Force Awakens where they're just kind of stand-ins for other characters. Yeah, um, I feel like at the end of the Last Jedi, everybody sort of has a direction and we know what these characters are going to do. Yes, um, Poe is going to become some kind of a leader. Ray is going to go on and become m- more powerful and keep training. Finn is going to actually have stuff to do. Finn is going to um, have stuff to
0: do. Finn is going to have a role in the rebellion. Or just something.
1: Kylo is going to be trying to struggle with running the First
0: Order. And... and his own sense of, I'm not anywhere close to what Vader was. And I have his helmet in my room at all times. Like, he's always looking up to Vader and modeling himself as Vader. And by the end of The Last Jedi, he's still kind of confused as far as, like, can I be that? And that was going to be... That could have been extremely interesting going into Episode Nine, him struggling with bottom, that identity.
1: Right. But the bottom line is, at the end of Last Jedi, you might like... The, largely what I think people are upset about in that movie is the what ha- uh, the portrayal of Luke and I get some of their points but yeah. I think t- taking Luke to that place is fundamentally more interesting than like any other pl- like you know I think it's more interesting than him turning into just like I don't know
0: super Luke or just being this dude yeah. that's out here just, whatever like The only place they could go with that is Ghost Luke, because that's what they did with all the other Jedis that passed away.
1: No, no, no. I mean, how people are upset about that he's a hermit, that he seemingly turned his back on everything, that 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 would be out of character for Luke. Yes, I can see that, but... Okay. um, There's just one or two fixes that you could make to the script here that could actually satisfy a lot of the nerd backlash um but the point the whole point is it's not about it can't be about them anymore if right. star wars is going to move forward it has to be about other pe- other folks and that's what last jedi tries to do but people were so adamantly against it or pe- or it got such a backlash that they just decided to hell with all of that and let's just do our best to make return of the jedi again let's even bring back palpatine and let's just <sighs> Have a silly story about, uh, I don't know, something. Some,
0: somehow, Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter, just that just Sips, seen, holocrons and just, uh, just okay. There's no I can't with the last gen, with the Rise of Skywalker. There's nothing okay. We just need to go on record in saying that Rise of Skywalker was not good, it was 1000% the worst of these three trash when you talk about trash when you talk about spreadsheet filmmaking this is the dictionary definition of that concept there's a list of things that quote-unquote make fans happy and will make all the money in the world merchandise and all like that rise of skywalker check every little stinking box And I hated it because of the simple fact that you had The Last Jedi. You had some things. You did some things. You did some interesting things. You tried to move on from Skywalkers and Palpatines. And it was dope. I liked the storytelling and where they were going with it. But between the end production of The Last Jedi... And the start writing of Rise of Skywalker, some hedge fund guy, maybe it was Bob Iger, I don't know. Bob Iger was like, okay, we need need to get back to the basics of Star Wars. We need to get back to, for lack of a better term, what made us money. And it's not like The Last Jedi, it's not like they didn't make their budget back. I don't know what the problem was. It's not like it was like some monetary failure that they said, okay, we need to go hard left and go back to what worked before in the other trilogies. I just, I just didn't understand it. Like going to Palpatine, there was no point. You set up Kylo to be this like upcoming badass in the first order, but you completely compromised him with putting Palpatine in this movie it completely undermined everything it completely undermined Kylo's entire story arc and it just feels like the first two movies of the sequel trilogy were just a giant waste of Adam Driver's time
1: it really does and it's really disappointing because of where we were after Last Jedi to just listen even if you don't like Last Jedi you have to You have to see, or you have to be disappointed in the direction that Rise of Skywalker took. A thousand percent. Even if if you hated everything about Last Jedi, you still had to be excited at the idea of, oh, what's going to happen with Kylo running everything? Yes. How is this going to work out? What's going to happen with Kylo and Rey? How is that going to work? To just turn it into what it was is such a disappointment like uh, it, was, it was lazy point blank i said it then and i'll say it again it was lazy and if it were not for the mandalorian i don't know that i would even be in on anything star wars anymore
0: right in discussing uh, that concept about uh-huh. you know spreadsheet movie making and all like that let's discuss the star wars fandom a little bit I'm going to pose you this question. Is it possible... Let's hear it. Is it possible that in terms of nerd circles, nerd bubbles, pop culture influence, is it possible that Star Wars fans have the most influence over the host property? For example, Star Wars fans have the most influence over the Star Wars franchise, more than Star Trek and Star Trek fans more than Marvel and Marvel fans. Is it possible that Star Trek fans, Star Wars fans, are the most influential in pop culture? As far as, oh, we don't like this, change it back immediately. And studios just bend to that will.
1: I think it has more, I think it has to do with the nature of Star Wars fandom. I think, so Star Trek fandom... star trek is a tv show so even if something's bad like we'll just wait until the next episode that's not bad like there's no reason to cause an outcry over it um with the marvel movies they've got kevin feige they've got a a a guy in charge of it that is that is shepherding that situation um i think the problem that Star Wars has is, number one, the giant hiatus between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, and then from The Phantom, and then from...
0: Revenge of the Sith.
1: Revenge of the Sith to The Force Awakens. I think in those intervening years, something happened where, star, the, where the three Star Wars movies became more than just movies and they became they literally became gospel think about this okay if if, if somebody were to say were to come out with something like <laughs> a new gospel and they were going to be like yo we got this new gospel here jesus is doing new stuff He's hanging out. He's, it's the he's Bible remix. It's, it's the, not a remix. It's like D- it's just anu-
0: It's the it's DJ Khaled Bible remix. Another no, one. No, 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 no. It's not a remix.
1: <laughs> it's not a remix. It's it's a sequel. It's a new gospel. People would be like, get that the fuck out of here, because, <laughs> because it has been turned into a religion. Every single line of the original trilogy has been spoken so many times that people are very resistant to you messing with anything in it and you got to be able to mess with stuff if you're going to tell a story you got to be able to otherwise you're not doing anything you're just you're just making the force awaken your spreadsheet if if that's what you want if that's what you want want The force of what, if you just want them to keep remaking the first three movies over and over again, um, that's fine. Um, just be for real about that and then don't be mad when you're like, all these Star Wars movies are the same.
0: Um, because they try to do something different and everybody screams. Um, they try to do something different in Empire, they try to do something different with. I feel like that's a but, thing that happens but, in the but, second sorry, sorry. trilogy. Yeah,
1: but sorry, to answer your question, I do think that the fan base is listened to and considered more than in the other properties. Just because Star Wars is such a huge property, it makes more money than the other properties. And there's not really a shepherd right now because there's no Kevin Feige for Star Wars. If it becomes Dave Filoni and... Please um, let it
0: be Dave Filoni.
1: And John Favreau, if they became the guys, if they become the guys, I think people might calm down because they'll feel like it's in good hands. But sign me up! I don't think I don't think everybody anybody was particularly confident in it being Kathleen Kennedy or J.J. Abrams' hands. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm just um, saying,
0: I'm I'm excited about this Patty Jenkins Rose Squadron movie. I'm excited to see how this turns out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But a two-hour again, movie of be... space battles? Give it to me! I think there's just so much stuff on the spreadsheet, though. It's really tough to make an interesting movie out of the Star... out uh, to do interesting stuff with the Star Wars movie. Although, given how, how Rogue One was able to expand... Yeah. And I guess maybe that's the way you do it. If you're not going to be able to tell... to mess with any, like, mainline characters... The only way you can do it is by messing with characters that are tangential to what's going on, like Rogue One or Rogue Squadron or, you know, the Mandalorian or things that happen apart from the main stuff so that people don't get all in their bag. If Luke Skywalker's hair isn't the color that they think
0: it should be. And Um, this is this is a direct callback. And I love how we do callbacks to other podcasts to the comics podcast we were talking about and how you wanted to fix comics, where you said, okay, we have our main stuff and then we have our offshoot stuff. And the offshoot stuff is gonna be one-offs and it's gonna be the chances for everybody that wants to be creative and take these little ancillary ideas, fine. You can have your, you can have your offshoots. But the gospel, as you put it, we're just not gonna touch that, and I think that's why Rogue One was mm-hmm. so I think that's why Rogue One was so great, because it told a story within the Star Wars universe set in between two different Star Wars movies in the main gospel, but at the same time it was creative and it was fun, and the storytelling was amazing and it looped right into the main gospel seamlessly maybe maybe not solo so much but I feel like that's because it was basically maybe not solo so much because it was based on a main character from the gospel does that make sense? But like Rogue One Rogue One was completely completely original and I feel like that's what made that offshoot of Rogue One so special. It's probably why The Mandalorian is kind of special, too.
1: Well, again, The Mandalorian is just a story that's playing around in the Star Wars universe, but it's not really challenging anything. Right. Which I guess is the way to do that. I think it's going to be very interesting this third season of The Mandalorian because they're going to have to take it into new, new, new places. So we'll see what happens. They don't
0: have... Yeah. We'll see what happens, and I know people were excited about seeing, you know, uh, Benjamin Button, Mark Hamill. I don't think you're going to see too much of that. Like, I don't think you're going to get Han Solo in The Mandalorian. I don't think you're going to get, like, more Luke Skywalker. Uh, I, I just don't see that happening, just because, again, it's going to be hard to weave those gospel characters into the Mandalorian based on what the time setting is. Like you're looking at, you're looking at basically the time between return of the Jedi and the force awakens. There's some interesting stories to tell there, but I just don't know. There are, but again,
1: like does anybody, is anybody really trying to see where the first order came from? No. Like Just nothing in the sequel trilogy is that fascinating that I got to see, oh, how did this happen or how did this come about? The, the um, only
0: thing I can point to where I would say, oh, that's interesting, I might be into that, is the whole, why did Luke become a hermit and feel he needed to exile himself? Like, that could be interesting in the right hands. Yeah, but... Like, if it's Favreau and Filoni, if that's in the right hands... I could see that being kind of interesting.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I just don't. I have more faith in the ancillary stuff. But again, we'll see. At this point, Filoni and Favreau have just been playing with the toys in the toy box. Yeah. Now they have to make the toys. So we'll see what happens.
0: I'll ask you this about the future of Star Wars as Mm -hmm. it pertains to the media being created. At some point, are they going to have to call up Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and have like a Disney Plus series centered around Luke or Han or something like that? I don't think they're that desperate to where like that needs to happen. But is it something that maybe not necessarily should be thought about, but might be thought about? Or are we well past the point in the Star Wars ethos where we really need to move on from the skywalkers and the solos and the pilot scenes and all like that because i feel like we're I think way past to, that
1: because i don't think you can use
0: you can't advance the can... story without doing that
1: you can't tell stories with those characters without a bunch of screaming or without a bunch of people being upset uh but if you change if you move a hair in the wrong direction people are going to get all up in their feelings and like it's It's impossible to write anything compelling under that under those. I mean, I don't know that it's impossible. It's really tough. It's really to hard under those constraints. It's really hard. So. Just
0: like it would be hard to like rewrite the story of Jesus. like, that's not that's something you can't do. It would
1: not rewrite a new chapter in the <laughs> Jesus series if somebody just came out with that. People would be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> thank you. you might even get burned at the stake
0: for doing that. You might. That might just happen. Uh, I feel like we could. I feel like we can end it there. I, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground in the Star Wars in the Star Wars universe. Consume all the Star Wars media you can uh mm-hmm. don't be in our menchies when you follow us you can follow me the kid phoenix at a dob royster follow teams at ativa k follow the show teams and kid phoenix versus listen subscribe spotify apple podcast if you listen to us on apple podcast please leave us a review outside of that yeah may the force be with you all and that's uh it. yeah that's it whatever that's...
1: you're doing go back to it whatever if you were hurting nerfs do that if nice you were headed to, if you were headed to tashi station
0: go ahead but I mean, we got what, nothing left what what would you be getting at tashi station right about now i hear that the power converters there are dope i hear they have some dope power converters on sale uh if you're if you're outside building a pod racer yeah, just just 100% go back to doing that and listen to this podcast while you do it.
1: And yo, shout out to the moisture farmers.
0: Shout out to all the moisture farmers out there doing the Lord's out work. There. <laughs> you get parsed on Tatooine when there's five sons. You, you guys are doing the Lord's work out there. That's it. That's the podcast. We'll be back next week with some more nerdy goodness. We're going to get out of here and we'll talk to you folks soon.